0: I don't know about you, but uh, I had a pretty crazy week at work. Um, I have a new guy that started with me in the workshop, and so there's lots to do to get him up to speed and, and, and get him to understand the way I do things and, and, and you know the, the, the work that we're working on. Um, on top of that, well, I've got a lot of work on at the moment, like heaps of stuff uh, to do. I had to travel on Friday. I was out of the workshop for a whole day. I had to go and do an install at a, a house down at Middleton's. So That's was a, a whole day out of the workshop. Um, and in this coming couple of weeks in the school holidays, I've got two students coming in to do a, a student placement with me. So there's lots of work to do to prep for that and to make sure that they've got everything. Uh, everything In fact, I had such a busy week that I felt like I hardly had any time for anything else. Do you ever feel like that? Um, I, I, uh, to be honest, I felt like I hardly had time to read my Bible. Do you ever feel like that? Um, my prayer life felt like... Um, Hi, Jesus. Uh, love you a lot. Could you please help me with all this work? I've got to go now. Um, uh, I, I, I work late on a number of nights. Uh, we had a church meeting, a get-together, a, a prayer sort of meeting. I was late to that. I felt like I hardly had any time to do the Christian stuff that I should be doing. Do you ever feel like that? We're in a series that we're calling Idols. And we're exploring some of the things that can become idols in our lives. We're using Tim Keller's definition of what an idol is from his book, Counterfeit Gods, where he says that an idol is anything more important to you than God. An idol is anything that absorbs your heart and your imagination more than God and anything that you seek to give you what only God can give. We said that when a lot of people think of idols, they think of you know, gold statues, the sort of thing that Indiana Jones chases down in the movies. But in reality, idols can be anything. Uh, in fact, most idols are ordinary, everyday things, and in fact, there's nothing in an idol that makes it an idol. An idol becomes an idol because of the place that we give it in our lives because of where we put that thing in our lives, that's what makes it an idol, not what material it was made of or not the shape uh, that it's made in. They become idols because we choose to look for those things. We uh, We choose to look to those things for our security, for our happiness, for our joy, for our purpose and our meaning in life. That's what makes something an idol in our lives. And so we're asking in this series, What are the things that become idols in our lives? What impact do they have on our lives? And I guess most importantly, what can we do to move ourselves to a healthier place in our lives in terms of some of these things? And we've talked in the last couple of weeks about the idol of happiness. We talked about the idol of money last week. And today I I want us to have a look at an idol that probably maybe would make your list if you were sitting at home going, "Well, well, these are the things that become idols in my life. And that is the idol of career, the idol of work, the idol of our jobs. And I know some of you are just thinking, well, I don't idolise my career. I don't even want to be there. (laughs) Uh, You know what I mean? Um, Others of you might be thinking, well, I I like my job. I like my job, but it's not like an idol, you know. Uh, um, But think about the way that we think about work. And when you meet someone for the first time, what's usually one of the first two or three questions you ask them? What do you do? What do you do? Many of us describe ourselves by our jobs, don't we? We say, well, I'm a teacher. She's a student. He's a nurse. My mum's a carpenter. And even if you wouldn't say, I love my job, the truth is that many of us find meaning and purpose in our work, and if you ask, ask lots of people, sort of, how are you making the world a better place? What, what impact are you having on the world? People will talk about their jobs, won't they? They'll talk about their job as a nurse or a teacher or a librarian or whatever it is, and none of that's necessarily bad, and some of that's really good. But do you hear how all of that starts to sound a little bit like the language of idolatry, doesn't it? It starts to sound a little bit like the language of security and happiness and meaning and purpose. As we've said, an idol is anything that we put in the place where only Jesus should be in our life. And even though many of us will say, well, I I don't love my job, we can easily put our jobs, we can easily put our work in that central place of priority in our lives. Jesus talked about it this way when he said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you as well. It's Matthew 6.33. The New Living Translation uh, says, uh, says it this way. It says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Which sounds really fantastic. The problem with that idea for most of us is that we have to show up for work every day. Mm -hmm. The the problem is that the reality is I have to spend more of the hours of my life at work than I do other things, and certainly more of the hours of my life at work than I do doing like Christian stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. The reality for most of us, many of us, is that most days we have to put other things before we have to put our work before other things it's just the way life goes if we're rostered on to work on a sunday we work if there's a meeting that comes up after hours that you need to be at well you miss small group or that you know that prayer meeting or whatever it is if you haven't finished writing a report that's due today well your bible reading will just have to wait That's just the reality for most of us. So what we're going to do today is instead of pretending that we live lives where we tell the boss, I can't work late, I've got to go to small group, right? Instead of pretending um, that we're happy to be late for school because, well, my, you know, we're going to say to the teacher, well, my Bible reading uh, plan, you know, it was just a longer reading today. Sorry, I couldn't be here Uh, by first period. I'll be there for the second lesson. Sorry, there's a student in the front row just saying, that's actually a really great idea. (laughs) Instead of pretending that that's the way the life of a Christian person goes, let's ask ourselves a different question. And let's ask, what does it look like to put Jesus first in our work? And I think Paul is a guy that gives us a lot of answer around this question. We've said this before, but Paul was just a young man when Jesus rose from the dead. He wasn't there; he didn't see it, and and he didn't believe it initially. He heard the stories; he heard people talking about this Jesus. And not only didn't he believe it, he thought that was a, a terrible idea. In fact, he he thought that was that was an ungodly thing to do and to talk about. Not only did he not believe in Uh, in the resurrection of Jesus, but he actively worked against it for a number of years until Paul had a powerful personal experience of Jesus and it turned his life around in an instant. And Paul went from hating followers of Jesus to being one of them. He went from, from trying to prove that the resurrection was a hoax to leading the charge to travel around the world and tell everyone about its truth. And what you might not know is that the whole time, Paul had a day job. For, for most of Paul's life, he was not a full-time uh, Christian. He was not a professional minister or a pastor or whatever you call it. Paul was a tent maker. Really. Really. And when you think tents, when you think tents, don't think tents like uh, what we go camping in. Um, in. In Paul's time, only the wealthiest of people could live in solid brick homes. Most people lived in tents, or at least in homes that were sort of part brick, maybe, maybe part timber, uh, you know, part branches and, and some tents. So, so when Paul says he's a tent maker, Paul is telling you, in our language, he was a tradie. Right, I don't know how you picture Paul, but I picture Paul sort of, you know, in a high-vis robe, uh, tools around his belt. Paul was a tradie. He was helping people build their homes. And Paul was proud of the work that he did. Listen to this. This is Acts chapter 20, starting in verse 33. Paul says, I've not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. He's talking to a church that he's visiting. I haven't coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, who said, It's more blessed to give than to receive. Paul was proud that he was supporting himself through his work to talk about Jesus. I haven't coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. I haven't asked for anyone for anything free. I haven't asked for their stuff. I've worked hard to provide for myself. These hands of mine have supplied my own needs," he said. More than that, Paul was proud that his work was helping other people. I've showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Paul goes on. He quotes Jesus, saying, "It's more blessed." to give than to receive. Paul saw his work as a way to help the weak, to help the poor and to bless people. Even when Paul was traveling around the world sharing the gospel, he still worked. Took his tool belt with him and he worked wherever he could go. Uh, Acts 18, uh, starting in verse 1, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. He leaves one city, goes to another. There in Corinth, there he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, it's where he lived, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. Listen to this. And because he was a tent maker, as they were, he stayed and he worked with them. Paul met a couple other tradees and said, hey, let's hang out and, and we can work together. We can make and we can build together while, uh, while we share the gospel. So what was Paul's attitude to this work? How did Paul seek the kingdom of God first in his life and still have a job? Paul answers that question with one simple but I think incredibly powerful statement that I want us to to, to sit with and to be the basis of our discussion today. Paul writes to the church in Colossae, uh, it's our book of Colossians, 3.23 and he says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters. He says a really similar thing when he talks to the church in Ephesus, our book of Ephesians in your Bible, uh, Ephesians 6-7. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. I want you to see that Paul was a tent maker, but he didn't see himself as defined by his career. Paul saw himself first as a follower of Jesus. He didn't say, I'm a tent maker, I'm a nurse, I'm a student, I'm a whatever. Paul said, I'm a follower of Jesus. And his attitude was to say, whatever I do, whatever I do, I'm doing it for God. Paul didn't have like a work life and a Christian life. He didn't have uh, a job and then the stuff he did in church. Paul didn't have God time and work time. Paul didn't work to make money so that then in his spare time he could do the Christian stuff. Paul said, whatever I'm doing, I'm doing it for God. Paul says, whatever I'm doing, I'm doing it from God. If I'm spending time alone with Jesus, if I'm reading and praying, I'm doing that for God. If I'm with my Christian friends and we're praying or we're in church or we're doing something like that, I'm doing that for God. And when I'm making tents, and when I'm doing everything that I need to with my job, I'm doing that for God too. In fact, he says it's like it's like I actually see God as my boss. It's actually like I see God as the boss of my work, just the same as I would I would see God as the head of the church. Paul overcame the idea of the the. Um, Paul overcame the idea that work could become an idol by keeping God at the centre of his work. Does that make sense? Paul made sure that work didn't become central in his life by putting God central in his life and putting God central in his work. And so the question I want us to ask today, and we're going to spend a fair bit of time talking about this together in a couple of groups, The question I want us to ask today is what does it look like for you to put God first in your work? What does it look like for you to put God first in your school? What does it look like for you to work for God instead of working for your manager or for your executive or for your boss? What does it look like for you to follow Jesus at work, at school, at uni, just as keenly as you would say you follow Jesus and talk about Jesus when you're here in church or when you're with your Christian friends. And just to be clear, I'm not talking about um, playing worship music really loud in the office uh, so that you annoy everyone with it. I'm not talking about writing, uh, you know, Bible quotes on the cover of your notebook and, you know, just sort of leaving it in the middle of the table and hoping that, you know, something magical happens. I'm talking about the way that you do your work. I'm talking about the way that you interact with people at work, the way that you act at work, the way that you speak at work, the way that you do your work. Doing your work in such a way that people will see that you have another boss. That you serve a different master. Not just the person in the office at the end of the corridor with boss written on the door. that you live in a way that, that bringing the Christian version of you to your workplace is natural and normal. Because let's face it, we all know there's kind of the Christian version of us, uh, if we're really honest, and then there's the other one, you know? And I don't want to give you a lot of how-to today, because the reality is that the answer to that question, the answer to that question is going to be different for all of us. Because all of us work in different places, we work different amounts of time, uh, you know, we, we, we're, we're at different ages, we're at different sort of, if you like, levels, have different levels of responsibility in our jobs, in our workplaces. So I don't want to run through a list of, you know, here's five ways. But the point is this, the point is this, the question is this. The way to make sure that work doesn't become an idol in your life is to put God in in the centre of your work. That's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to start that conversation um, with Megan. Um, we're not all going to stand up the front, um, but I've asked <laughs> Megan um, uh, to, uh, uh, to come and talk. I guess we'll call it an interview. Um, Megs, do you want to jump up the front and talk to me? Um, you've bought notes. That's excellent. Um, so... So, by way of example, um, tell us about your work, what you do, what does your work look like on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis?
1: Very, um, So, I work in an executive um, manager role at my organisation. Um, so I have a small team of people and we do the people stuff. So we have uh, human resource management, we have the work health and safety components and we have payroll. So, it's a pretty full-on area to be working. Um, and lots of stuff, as you can imagine, in an organisation. We've got a bit over 200 people, and there's lots of things that come up that we, uh, the team, support um, managers in and support staff in and and work across the organisation. So my day is is incredibly varied. I can set a day up of uh, writing reports or things I have to do and I end up spending a lot of the day with the team or with someone who needs some um, support quickly. It can change as quick as that, but it's always varied and always... uh, lots of um fun uh, around the place as well so
0: okay um and it's uh with a uh, like you work in it's a it's a non-christian workplace that you work in um so what does it look like for you i mean what's give us an idea of what the answer to that question and you've had time to prep so you've got uh, a head start on the rest of us um but what does it look like for you to Live and to work as a Christian in that place? What does it look like for you to think, well, God's the boss? Uh, I mean, I know you report to the CEO, but, you know, what's... No, not anymore. OK. <laughs> um, but, you know, what does it look like to say, well, OK, well, I'll, I'll think about God as, as the CEO of this business for me?
1: Yeah. Um, so mostly for me it's about um, behaviour. Um, it's about how I manage my behaviour and how I... Uh, try and follow what Jesus would do and how he would behave in situations. Um, I certainly don't get it right all the time, Um, far from it, Um, but I guess some of the things that I try and do and I also try and um, teach the team and encourage the team about how we deal with people is always respect. Um, It doesn't matter what we're dealing with, whether we agree with what the person is saying or whether we don't, um, if they've done something silly, um, whatever it is, to always respect them Um, and as much as possible to be non-judgmental. I think it's really important to um, make sure that particularly in the role we have where we do hear um, a lot of people's stories or we do see some of the um, the silly or more negative things that people do in the workplace and to not not have that judgement on them that when I see them again I just treat them as I always would. I don't sort of or, you know, avoid them, or any of that type of stuff, just to continue being a real person to them and um, letting them know that, you know, what they've done or how they've behaved isn't going to impact how I relate to them. Um, I think that's really important. Um, I also um, talk to the team and use it myself, is is that um, perspective of, um, you know, treat others as you want to be treated, and so um, often when we're preparing to have a conversation with someone, particularly where it's going to be a bit tougher, I always say to them, uh, to the team, um, or to myself, um, you know, make out I'm having the conversation and see how I would feel if I was having that conversation with myself. And it's just a really good check to go, oh, that that feels a bit icky there, I need to change the way I'm saying that or um, how that might come across to that person. So um, that's one of the things um, that I do. Um, I also got given um, from a a message that we heard about uh, Jesus washing the disciples' feet. That really impacted me. And so some friends gave me a little uh, bowl with a little towel in it. And I have that sitting on my desk at work. And so it's twofold for me. One, it's a reminder for me that when I'm there, I'm there to serve people. Um, But it's also a really good conversation starter because lots of people walk in and go, why have you got a bowl with a little (laughs) flannel in it? Uh, So it's a really good opportunity just to share a bit about my faith Mm. and also um, just about Jesus. And, you know, it's really interesting that people are really open to um, having those conversations and just sharing themselves about they haven't had any experience or um, they have had experience or, you know, it's a really good conversation starter, so that's been really good too. Um, one more thing. is. Mm, good um, it's good. It's really
0: good. I'm um, taking mental notes.
1: Prayer is one of the things I probably struggle with most in the the busyness. Uh, and I hate that word busy. Um, we've all got lots on in life, but um, I, I really probably struggle with just that continual prayer conversation. Um, but I do try and, and, and do that, particularly if I am going into a, a hard situation, just to Um, you know make sure I'm sort of focusing on on Jesus and bringing him into the conversation with me and I find when I do that I'm actually much calmer Um, so I really encourage you in that space as well and I do try and pray for people or situations as I hear about things even if it's only a a sort of a minute prayer but just to do that I'd like to do that more but that's probably the hardest thing just because it makes you you know as I say in the busyness of your mind it's hard to just stop and um, and do that but that's probably the, the challenge for me yep. it's
0: good it's good um, have you got a story can you you know can you tell us a time that I'm sure there's lots of times when it didn't go so well but sometimes when you know it's gone right and where you have yep. see God do something
1: yep um, I think one of the things that I really like about um, my role and I guess you get to see people in very like their down times or their tough times Um, and so my office is often a a safe place for them to come and be real and comfortable. I I wrote down comfortable being uncomfortable, you know, Um, a lot of the time they'll share something that's going on in their life or the life of a partner or a child and they'll be in tears and they'll get upset and just to know that you can provide them a safe place or just say stay as long as you like, you can stay here and talk to me, you can just say you want to sit and have a glass of water. I'll keep working. Like whatever you need, it's just mm. um, just open for for what people need. And I've had a lot of comments around that of people just thankful that they had that space at work because they, you know, they haven't had that always at other workplaces. Um, and so that's something I know that I bring that's um, that's different. Um, one um, situation that I had a couple of years ago now, but it really impacted me particularly uh, around my. Um, Christianity was a a manager that I worked with, and he's gay. Um, And so he actually wrote to me um, later uh, to tell me a bit about his story. So we ended up, um, we'd we'd worked together in the organisation, and I didn't know any of the backstory of what he told me, but um, we'd we'd, um, had reason for the team that he was managing, that we needed to work together um, uh, quite a bit. And um, he told me that initially when he came to the organisation, he avoided me um, because he found out that I was a Christian uh, and his, ex- his experience of Christians uh, had, had not been good when he was growing up. Um, he'd been bullied by a lot of Christians and so Christians were just not people uh, to be um, in contact with. They were, as he said, a foe. Um, and he learnt very quickly to, um, I guess, judge um, people by... Um, those things and Mm. so when he heard that I was a Christian he said that he actually avoided me but then we sort of had to work together and as I say I didn't know any of this, Um, we had to work together because of the work that we were doing and supporting him with some staff changes and and things that he needed to deal with and um, it was just really amazing that um, the impact that I had on him meant that he changed his view on Christians Uh, and he Mm. said that he had like he had prejudice against him because he was gay, um, he also recognised that he had prejudice against me because I was Christian. Mm. And mm. so for him it was sort of that twofold thing, is mm. he found acceptance from a Christian that didn't judge him and just took him as he was, and he also found his own <laughs> prejudice um, uh, was, was um, also challenged and, and that changed him. And, mm. you know, they're some of the really exciting things that... that you can do and you don't, as I say, I didn't realise any of that until just before he ended up leaving the organisation and he he wrote to me and and told me about that. And, um, you know, you just don't know, I guess that's the thing, you just don't know the impact that you're having and how you're being seen. Um, And the fact that people are even saying in the organisation that I'm a Christian, like people would say, oh, they're gay or they're you know, whatever it is, um, you know, that's a label I'm getting and, and so you just never know the impact that you're, that you're having and, and mm. you can have a positive one, so, um, yeah. Mm.
0: It's good. That's mm. a great story.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Very it's encouraging.
0: Cool. It's cool. Um, so, we're going to jump into a couple of groups. Um, uh, Megan will stay with one group down this end. Um, we'll just drag our chairs around. Um, I'll go down that in. Uh, And we can discuss whatever we like. Um, But I hope that our discussions will circle around this question. You know, what does it look like in your workplace um, or your school, you know, whatever it is? What does it look like for you uh, to work as if Jesus were your boss? What does it look like for you to put God as uh, that central uh, person and that central figure in your work? Um, And I recognise that there are, you know, there are some people who, uh, who, who, are, who are younger and, you know, who've got part-time jobs and whatever. There are people who are, you know, in, as Megan is in more executive sort of roles. So it's going to look really different for people. You know, there are people here who've been Christian for a long time. There are people who are still, you know, kind of on the, the front end, checking it out or, or, or whatever. So, um, so it's, this is, there aren't right answers, is I guess what I'm getting around to, okay? This isn't about saying um, we're all going to do this. This is about just exploring together in an honest way. What does that look like? Um so some of you might do more talking, some of you might do more, you know, note taking or notes. Oh that, that's an idea or whatever. So um we'll just see where the conversations go. Um and uh it would also be good to pray for one another in that because as Megan says, you know, stuff's stuff's not easy, right? You can sit here in church and go, Oh yeah, you know, we do this and that and whatever, but you know, when you go to work on Monday or Tuesday or whenever you go to work, um this stuff's not that easy. We recognise that. So Thank mm-hmm. you.